Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads, the one and only podcast dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world. Advanced Squad Lita. That's right. And with, with us, I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. That's Dave. And with, with us over here, well, he's not. And from my perspective, he's over here. Yeah, that looked right. From our very good friend. perspective, Rick's... I must be on the other side. I'm, I'm Rich Stilke, and thank you for having me on your show again. Always good to see you, Rich. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, the invite. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. Yes, us too, because Dave and I are very confused about this tonight's topic. Yeah, both of me. Yeah, there's two yeah. of you. Wow, and one of you looks different. I'm an et- I'm an Etten in D and D, so I have two ads. Speaking of D and D, though we weren't, I I was. Uh, this is the banter part of the show. Mm-hmm. I just got to tell you, I was at uh, I had lunch with my siblings yesterday. I have a, an older brother and three older sisters, and we met at a restaurant called Fox and Hound. And it was very nice, nice waiter, good food, beautiful uh, restaurant. But they had it's kind of a sports bar. So they had about 385 televisions and the, everyone was tuned into the some sort of MMA multi Martial, martial arts bouts going on and it was like the battle royale it was women it was men i mean not all at once there were all these different bouts but blood and punching and i thought boy this is appetizing yeah. really good goes really good with my fish and chips <laughs> fish and chips and chipped teeth and fish and chips and this guy was smiling after he won he had blood all over his face and i just thought this is a weird world we live in. What, what well, city said, you in? Where were you? I was in uh, Schaumburg. Okay. Yeah. We used to do all the uh, Bears games uh, at Fox and Hound up in Dundee and Arlington Heights. But now it's a different name. Oh, is it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You said you went to dinner with your siblings. Yeah. I went to dinner with myself because I'm in it. And... Oh, yeah. That's very nice. Get it? Oh, well, yes. Thank you for mentioning that. Because what it made me think of is I wish there were bars for geeks instead of sports bars. Why aren't there geek bars like there are? When you go to Gen Con, and which you've never been to Gen Con, but when we go to Gen Con, which is huge participation in Indianapolis, whatever it is, 70,000 people participating, all of the local restaurants, most of them, get with the program and they, they have special menus with all kinds of gaming Food items, named Elves, food items, dwarfs, and, and on all the TVs they play like Lord of the Rings and old swash um, sword and sorcery kind of movies, and it's just great. And I think, boy, I would love it if there were geek bars instead of sports bars. So I think maybe we should work in that direction. Maybe start with a food truck. Open up our own, yeah. But we could open up a chain. What do you think, Rich? I'm just amazed at these thoughts. I've never heard of an Eaton before, so that's a new word on me. <laughs> and I never even thought about what you're talking about. If you guys are stretching me already, we've only been on the show a minute. Well, well. we knew that we were also going to be stretched because when we have you on the show, yep, Dave and I are always certain to have close at hand. Here, Dave, here's yours. We always keep our propellers Oh, I don't have one of those. I got my half squad hat on, but that's as good as I can that's, do today. That's your, 
You're the teacher. All right. Well, I'll uh, do what I can. I don't know. I'll try. Notice how I wear mine. This is in the uh, rakishly appropriate <laughs> Italian. That is good, Jeff. He's for the people on the podcast listening. He's got it cocked at a very attractive angle. So it's I'm just glad to know that you're spending all the donor listener donor donations or that voluntarily give you guys money on, on good products like this. <laughs> Actually, these were gifts. These were gifts. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, good to know. I'm not sure if I look dumber with it on or with it off. But. No, you clearly look dumber with it on. I'll just remove all doubt and answer that question. <laughs> there is no doubt about it. There's no dispute. Yeah. So how are you doing, Rich? What's new? What's new with you? Anything new? What are you well, playing? Well, uh, on the uh, non-ASL front, I'll start with that. Uh, I've been a little, uh, little carried away here with, with myself. I was the uh, manager of uh, my church uh, men's softball team. Yes. And, and we won the uh, championship this year, which may not seem like that big of a deal, but my team's been around for 20 years in this league and has never won the championship. Wow. In, in the 15 years that I've been on the team, we've been in the playoffs and we've gotten to the finals twice, but we lost both of those occasions. So this is the first year that we've actually won and I kind of feel guilty because this was the first year that I was the leader of the manager. Thank you for the applause uh, of the team. And, and the other guy was the coach for, you know, the past 20 or 19 years prior to me. And I just took over this year for the first year. So I feel guilty. It's not because of me. It's, you know, because the just team did well. and We had good players that played well. But it was very exciting. I had a big party at my house the other night. And uh, it was rocking. It was fun. It was awesome. So I know that has nothing to do with ASL, but it was a heck of a lot of fun. I, I even had a DJ, and uh, one of the uh, one of the guys on the team is a DJ, so he lets me use his equipment. And then there was a young guy on the team who wants to become a DJ. He's like a 17-year-old guy who wants to learn how to be one. So it was like perfect because the, the older guy that actually owns the equipment let us use it, and the younger guy, you know, wanted to, you know, do the work for free, basically. I still paid him, but, you know, it was way cheaper than it would have been and I paid a professional DJ, of course. And I made this list of songs. You'll be proud of me. I made a list of songs that I love, you know, many of which are from the 70s and 80s. Uh, but, you know, some of them are more modern than that. Anyway, it was a big mix. You know, men, women singers, softer, slower songs, rock songs, just a real wide. I mean, I spent weeks making this list. I didn't just whip it together in 10 minutes. Anyway, and I gave it to the young man. His name is Josh. I gave it to him to, you know, to play these songs and he played them. But I was so excited and happy, really, uh, you know, among all the other great things that were going on. He loved the list, like a lot of those songs he had never heard of because, you know, he's only 17. But he loved them. He thought they were great. He thought they were, you know, and, you know, to, to make a 17 year old happy with your music selections when you're 56 is an, is an accomplishment uh, in my book. That you are exactly right. That is it makes me feel hopeful for the world. And uh, so I felt great about that. And again, the people on my softball team are almost all younger than me. You know, they're in their 20s, 30s. You know, I'm one of the old guys. But anyway, so that was it. But now the ASL front, switching to ASL, uh, what's been going on there is, you guys might remember, we, we, we had a podcast, oh boy, several years ago. I don't remember the number, but I know that you interviewed me on this where I played that giant Red Barricades uh, scenario number, oh, number yeah. five. The um, what's the name of it, Dave? Uh, RB five is the number. 
Um, last bid. The last bid, yes. And I played it several times anyway, and I wrote up a big article in the Bonsai magazine on it, and I, you know, played it, uh, you know, to death and analyzed it to death. Anyway, and at the end of the conclusion, the conclusion was I thought it was way pro-German, you know, very much so, not balanced. And you know, when you got a scenario that huge, you know, I guess it's understandable that it may not have gotten play tested that thoroughly, but I did play test it thoroughly over a period of time. Anyway, so I made recommendations in that article at the end about how to balance it. You know, do this, do that, change this, change that, like six things. Anyway, but I've never played it with the changes to see if that would make a difference. So I recently uh, had a good friend, uh, his name's Jim Serafin. He's now, he lives in my area. He's oh, agreed yeah. to play it with me and, you know, with the, with the changes. And he's the German side and I'm the, uh, I'm the Russian on the defense so we just started that. We're on game turn two. And uh, you know, I could just tell it's going to be much more balanced than it's been in the past. And it's very exciting to be able to play it out. So we're going to write a follow-up article at the conclusion of the game and, you know, talk about, you know, was it indeed more balanced with the changes? And, you know, should we tweak it some more or is it good enough? So anyway, that's my latest ASL uh, product or not really product, but, you know, work product, if you want to call it that. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm looking forward to hearing about that, how that goes. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to test new ideas like that. Yeah, are you, and you're playing that live face-to-face. Face-to-face, couldn't you believe it? Pictures would be nice if you uh, think of it at some point. Couple. Do, you remember how to, do you remember how to play face-to-face? Does that ring a bell? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I don't like being in the same room with people anymore. I know on episode 183, we had uh, the Forgs and you, Last Bid and Red Barricades. Was that the one? That could very well be it. Yes, That's that sounds like that rings a bell. Very good research there, Dave. Or no, I think it was 197, Red Barricades Campaign Game 3. Well, no, not, this is not a campaign game. I might have talked about the campaign game, but... Uh, I'm talking about specifically the Red Barricade 5 scenario. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's kind of like a campaign game. It takes the whole map and it uses, you know, hundreds of counters, but it, it's a scenario. So what did Jen think of your, your balancing uh, ideas? Well, I think he agreed to do it, so he must have thought something favorable about it. Yeah. So and did I did, you, you know, he did, did read my whole article. So he did, you know, read the whole thing. So it's not like I have some secrets Okay. You know, he, there are no secrets. I had him. Yeah. In fact, I insisted that he read the articles so that he would know as much as I know about you know some of the tactics and some of the uh, important key locations. So if he read my article and he said that he did, and he you know he got in fact I know he did because he deployed a lot of the tactics as the German uh, right off the bat that I had recommended. So I know that he read it because you know he was doing some of the things I thought were the right thing to do. Well, that'll be interesting to get the follow up on that. Maybe you can even. Publish an article or something, or a little afterward, an after-action report. Yeah, well, I do plan. I do plan to give it to a write-up of some sort to the bonsai guys yeah. down in Texas. Yeah. Episode yeah. two fifty was last bid versus men of steel. Okay. Yeah, that's another article that I wrote or a little that I did where I you know analyzed that big giant scenario from the red factories, which was comparable. But as I recall, I thought that scenario was balanced as is and was, was good. Didn't require any changes, at least as far as my opinion. 
was concerned. I thought that was a pretty good scenario as it stands. Yeah. Cool. But yeah. Also, also another thing, again, I can't say this for sure because I'm really not in control of my own destiny here, but I have been getting communications from uh, Chaz at MMP. You guys remember, you've had me on the show a couple times, and I think I've shared uh, publicly that I submitted these articles, in particular the one on OBA, like the statistics around OBA and draw right. piles of, you know, so many black cards and so many red cards and what's your expected, uh, you know, number of, of, you know, fire missions that you can get. Yeah, that was a, that was a, definitely a whirly bird uh, yeah. topic. And anyway, and I think you even, I think I even shared some of that information yeah. on one of your programs, you know, a year or more ago. But anyway, so they're, they're giving me the indication that they're going to use that in the next journal. And it hasn't been, I think, like, has it been like five years since we've had a journal? A long time. I don't know exactly, but something like five years is my estimated, you know, as I sit here. But anyway, so they wouldn't be corresponding with me if they weren't planning on using it, right? I think I could surmise that. So uh, they've been following up on certain questions or, you know, you're missing this you're missing this or what about that? You know, just little, little, little odds and ends. So presumably they're going to use it. So I look forward to hopefully seeing that in the light of day. I hope so Excellent. too. It'll secure your spot in history. Absolutely. Yeah. If well, softball that, didn't do it, that yeah. will. A spot in history has already been secured. Well, that's because of yeah. prison time. <laughs> prison time? Prison Speaking time. of? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of, oh, that's a segue. We should have music for segues. Yes, we should. We're here to learn about prisoners. Yes, Rich is here to teach us all about prisoners, and we are glad of it because, well, I, I can't speak for Dave. I, I do when he's not here. I'm glad. But I can't when he's here because prisoners has me oftentimes befuddled, and I so I just think let's just kill them all Shoot and them. let God sort them out. Yes, shoot them. I can't remember who said that, but some knucklehead. Anyway, Rich, we're ready for you to uh, take it away. All right. Well, yeah, I have a little bit of information prepared, but I hope that you guys chime in with questions too and add to the what you, you know normally would anyway. So just to yeah. encourage you to continue to follow that, you know, that method. So I guess I'll try to share my screen. Is that what I should do right now? Uh, yes. Let's try that. All right, so you see table number 14 on the screen? Yes, and so this comes from the Spilkey tables, which are known far and wide in the ASL circles. And I've just updated the link on our website so that it works. It was not working for a while, but it is working now. So you can download the latest version of the Spilkey tables if you go to the twohalfsquads.com and go to the quick access tab. You'll see a link right there. Yeah, thanks for doing that, Jeff. And and also, uh, you know, your sponsor, the the Texas ASL guys, BFP, they also post uh, the version of the rules tables on their website in the, you know, in the download section. It's pretty easy to find. Yes, because uh, yeah. so, the show is brought to you by Bounding Fire Productions. Our favorite spot for shopping for ASL goodies. Go to boundingfire.com and shop till you drop. You like how I teed that up for you guys for free? God, this is just so smooth. We could do this for a living. We forgot on 301. Well, then oh. you won't too, you've got to pay, pay it twice on this uh, episode. Yeah, that's right. So we may break in later for a 
another ad. Another ad. Right. So I know a lot of people are just listening to the audio and aren't seeing the video. You know, I, I myself, you know, listen to your podcasts and don't watch them. So I, I respect that, you know, situation. But anyway, I am sharing my screen, but I will also try to describe it verbally for those just listening, you know, in the audio mode. So I have two tables. I have, you know, a whole bunch of tables in my rules tables, but there's two that have something to do with prisoners and guards and, uh, you know, some of the main rules pertaining to that action that, you know, I think are the most commonly, you know, asked about and most commonly encountered. So this first table that I'm showing on the screen, table 14, is one I made a long time ago. It's really pretty straightforward, but it's like a handy dandy, at least in my opinion, it's a handy dandy reminder of how to deal with, you know, prisoners and, and, and when you're guarding them and what are the rules. So what this is trying to describe, it's pretty simple. It's just a little uh, two by two matrix or two by two table. And it's talking about, okay, first of all, if the unit size, can remember, remember the unit sizes, a squad is three, a half squad or a crew is two, and a single man counter is one, as far as you know, unit size is concerned. So if your guard unit size is greater than or equal to the prisoner's unit size that it's guarding, then you, you know, go with the first row as far as it, how it affects the firepower of the guard outside of the hex and how it affects the fight, firepower of the guard you know, in close combat you know, when it's acting as a guard. So for example, let's say I've got a full squad that's guarding another full squad. Okay, so the unit size is equal, three to three. So that's greater than or equal to. So in that case, that guard full squad can shoot outside of its hex. So if some, if an enemy unit moves in its line of sight, it can fire at it just like any unit would. Um, in close combat, though, things are different. If you're a guard, whether your unit size is greater than or not, when you attack a non-prisoner unit, your firepower is halved. I suppose that's to represent that you know a portion of your guys are still guarding the prisoners and the other portion of the guys are participating in the attack. Um, you, you defend at full firepower if you're a guard, but you attack non-prisoners at half. If you attack your prisoners, you attack at full firepower, not, not half. Now, where this gets crazy is when you start to mix in other units. If all you got is the guard and the prisoners, then you know, that's pretty straightforward. But let's say you have, you know, the, the prisoner side, get some of his guys in the, into the melee or into the close combat, or you get additional units that aren't guarding prisoners into the mix. You know, that's when you got to start to make decisions about, uh, you know, who gets to attack first and who's combining what attacks with what. And, you know, that's when you start to get into the interesting little combinations and permutations. But generally speaking, this is the most common situation. And then if your unit size is less, than the unit size of the prisoners that you're guarding. So that, that happens a lot. Like let's say you just got a half squad and the rules say, and this table also reminds us that you can guard up to five times the unit size, uh, you know, the guard can have up to five times the unit size that he's guarding. So again, let's say I have a half squad, that's a unit size of two. I could guard like, you know, five other half squads, which is, you know, 10 points. That's five times. That's an example that I could do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, if you want to be, you know, efficient, you'd want to do it that way because you'd want to have, you know, you want to minimize the number of guards you have. You want your other, you want your units, you know, participating in the, right. in the action. You don't want everybody guarding somebody. 
But if you do that, and the guard size is less than the unit size of its prisoners, then notice what happens here in this column. You cannot attack any other unit outside the hex other than the prisoners in close combat. So what does that mean? That means if an enemy unit charges right at you in open ground or in any other manner, you can't shoot at them. You can't fire at them. You're, you're stuck. So, you know, be very careful if you're in the, you know, if your guard is anywhere near enemy units, uh, you know, if it's got a, a whole bunch of prisoners with it. And you don't have the option of stopping guarding the prisoners. Dropping them, like dropping them and. Well, and... There, well there are two phases where you can drop them, but defensive fire phase ain't one of them. Okay. I think the rally phase you can drop them, and gosh, is it the is it the route phase? I don't remember. Rally phase for sure, and there's another phase I can't remember. I'm sorry. Okay. Another interesting thing, again on this unit size stuff, because you guys have your woolly bird hats, uh, where you don't got them on anymore, but this, <laughs> this is, you might want to put them on. It's a math thing. So what you can the, the rules say that you can always combine your half squads or deploy them you know, you know and there's the prisoners you can command the prisoners to become a full squad or to split into half squads you can do anything you want um furthermore you can also deploy your own units even if even if you have units that normally are not allowed to deploy like the russians for example are classic for not being able to deploy under normal circumstances mm -hmm. a guard can deploy for free so when you think about that you know you could have a full squad russian guard deploy itself and deploy uh, a full squad of prisoners into you know a half squad apiece and so now you have two half squad russians guarding two half squad prisoners well then in the next phase or the next turn or whatever you could make sure that those half squad russians pair up with other full squad russians and you could transfer the prisoners and get another free deployment. So all of a sudden, you got three or four Russian squads deployed, which normally you would never be able to do. So you can kind of take advantage of that rule by spreading the prisoners around or passing them around, you might say, and uh, you know, deploying your squads that normally wouldn't get a chance to deploy. So is that a, a um, little trick? That's a trick. Yeah, it's like a sleaze tactic, though, really, isn't it? It's taking advantage of a loophole in the in the rules, which is sure. Say? But there's no rule against loopholes. <laughs> well, I mean, call it what you will, or put any sticker on it you want, Jeff. But I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to help you win, Jeff. I'm trying yeah. to help. Yeah, I, no, I got you. Jeff's got always you. bringing his morality into these things. That's <laughs> yeah. that's true. <laughs> it's just a little trick. Well, you have, hey, you have guilt about winning, you know, your baseball tournament. True, true. <laughs> I, and I have guilt about to do using sleaze tactics. Another interesting thing is, okay, so with that unit size rule, so let's say you have a single man counter, um, you know, a leader, whatever, 7-0 leader or something. He has a unit size of one. So he can guard up to five unit size. Well, let's say you have three half squad prisoners. Well, that's two plus two plus two is six. So that's one greater than five. So your leader could command two of the half squads to combine into a full squad, and then now the unit size is three, plus the other half squad is two, that's five. Now, now he can guard the full group. Wow. So that's a way to take advantage of that rule. If you want to call it sleaze, I'll let you call it what you wish to call it. No, it's cool. Now, now you're talking, it's cool. <laughs> All right, so that's your math lesson for the day. And that's really the purpose of this particular table is just to remind folks of what your capabilities are when your unit size is greater than or not greater than. 
the prisoners that you're guarding. And you need to pay attention to, uh, in the case where you were talking about, uh, you know, close combat, it's half firepower for close combat on non-prisoners and normal. If there's a number of different units in the hex, you need to keep track of which squads are guarding which prisoners. Yes. Well, well, yeah. What, what you get into then is it's it's interesting because sometimes it's sequential. I could even say I think this table even says close combat attacks. Footnote number one says uh, close combat attacks involving prisoners are sequential prisoners first. Okay. So let's say again. Let's just say I'm the American player, and I have a American squad guarding a uh, a German squad prisoner. You know, unarmed prisoner. But I'm not broken. You know, my American squad is not broken. And if a German full squad advances into the hex, well, now we're in close combat. Okay. Now that is not sequential because the prisoners cannot attack yet. The prisoners cannot attack in that situation right that second because the guard is not broken. So in that case, it would be a normal ambush roll and a normal, you know, attack. You Test. Know, one guy against the other. The prisoners are not involved other than the American unit will have its firepower halved for attacking the German unit since it's, it's, a, it's a guard at the same time. But the prisoners themselves are not involved. Now, let's just say they both were really high and there's no effect and now there's a melee. All right, now on the next close combat phase, now it is sequential. Now the, guard, now the prisoners can attack, even though their guard is still not broken. They are allowed to join in the attack now because a melee exists now. Before it was just close combat. Now it's a melee. So the prisoners can attack and they get to go first. So the German full squad that advanced in before and its prisoner colleagues, you might say, can now join in and attack the American squad first sequentially, which might eliminate the American squad, you know, before the Americans even get to attack back. So it's not just the prisoners first, but it's the the prisoners' side first. Is yes, that, that but right? notice that didn't happen in the first round because the right. prisoners weren't allowed to be involved. Right, but in the second round, it's the prisoners and the squad that had come in previously. That's right. Okay. okay. Yeah. So these are the things that these are the little the little things that you got to watch out for. And yeah, the prisoner rules are a little tricky. They sound easy, but I guess they really are tricky when you get down to it. Yeah. So another table I have, I'm going to scroll ahead in my rules tables to, uh, let's see, 20, 26A and 26B. So again, I, I hope these are not too overwhelming. These are supposed to help people. and supposed to make it easy, not make it hard. So I'll try to shed some light. So this table, 26A, is it's getting into this no quarter thing. This no quarter really affects how units can route, or if they have to surrender, or if they must surrender, or if they might surrender, you know, all this stuff. And so this is just to get just the, this 26A is just to get the ball rolling. And if you look at this table, it's, it's listing all these different kinds of unit types that are special on the left, you know, berserk, commissars, fanatic, heroic, Japanese, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, can they be disrupted? Yes or no. Can they be encircled? Yes or no. And do they surrender in the route phase method or the heat, the heat of battle method? So remember, you know, there's the route phase where you might surrender, but also if there's that heat of battle roll where you roll greater than 12, your final roll is greater than 12 on the heat of battle, it says you're surrendered or you're disrupted or whatever. 
you know, mm -hmm. on that table on chart A or whatever it is. So that's a similar way that can cause you to surrender if you roll really high on that outcome. So this is basically saying which types of units these things pertain to or not, just to get the ball rolling, because there's always, there's all these exceptions. You know, if you're a heroic unit, you know, certain things apply to you that don't apply to other units. So this is trying to, you know, you know, in my little tabular form, to try to explain all that. So that being said, the next table is like the situations. This is 26B. It's a kind of a continuation of the idea. So here, again, I know this looks overwhelming, but let me try to make it understandable. I have 12 situations on the left. You see those, 1 through 12? Yes. And then I have these columns. I'm like, okay, and the little check marks, you know, the, which things pertain, you know, like combinations and per permutations of situations. So like in the first column I got there, you're unable to route away without being subject to introduction or using low crawl. So the first six, uh, I'll call them situations, you know, include that, include that. That's why they have a check mark in that box. Okay. And then the next column, you know, is the unit disrupted? Yes or no? Check mark. Yes or no? Is the unit encircled? Check mark. Yes or no? Is the unit uh, Japanese, partisan, Gurkha, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yes or no? So if you look at all those permutations and combinations, you just find your situation. So like, let's just talk about, you know, uh, example number 12. None of those boxes are checked. So it can route away without being subject to introduction or low crawl. It's not disrupted. It's not encircled. It's not a special, you know, unit that's listed there. So none of those conditions apply in, in, in situation 12. So if you look at this next column then it says during the route phase the broken unit is adjacent to a known good order armed enemy infantry or cavalry unit and then either no quarters in effect or no quarters not in effect but in this case for for row 12 it doesn't matter you can route away normally or you can low crawl or you can take a nurture you can do anything you want you don't have to surrender if none of those conditions apply that's what row 12 is telling us. And then the final column is talking about if you're adjacent to a known um, armed enemy unit, but not necessarily, you know, like in the other column where it was an, an armed enemy infantry or cavalry unit. Here you're next to like a melee unit that's an enemy or a berserk unit or a vehicular enemy unit, um, you, know, you know, like not personnel or, you know, whatever, those exceptions. And sometimes the answer is different over in that column. Uh, in this case, for, for row 12, it's the same answer, but it, it's different in some of the other situations. So that's one example. I'll just do another little simple one. So like, uh, like row seven, situation seven. Everything is exactly the same as it was, except now the unit is disrupted. Okay. That's it, just disrupted. So if no quarter is not invoked, that unit must surrender. So even if it has a clear route path and an available route path, if no quarter is not invoked, that disrupted unit has to surrender if they're adjacent to a known, you know, enemy infantry or cavalry unit. However, if, if no quarter is invoked, that disrupted is, unit is not going to surrender. And it can route away normally, and it could even take interdiction. So that's a huge exception. If you're disrupted, everyone assumes, oh, yeah, you got to surrender. If you're next to a bad guy in route phase, no, not if no quarters in effect you don't. You can still route away. So this gets into, you know, a lot of people invoke no quarter just sort of routinely or as a matter of, you know, 
convenience because they don't want to get out the prisoner counters. And exactly. Sand, you know, <laughs> they don't want to deal with the uh, counter the counter clutter, which I understand that feeling and that sentiment. But you know what? You're really taking a. Uh, I mean, you got to really think about it. You, you shouldn't just invoke no quarter, you know, out of hand. You should think about, hey, this is going to affect how units route, my enemy units route in the future. They're not going to surrender as often. You know, you can't mop up anymore. That's another exception. You can't mop up once you've invoked no quarter, which is a big deal. So if, you're, if you've got to capture buildings and, you know, they're multi-story buildings where units could be broken and hiding upstairs and stuff, running away, it's a hassle to hunt all those things down and force them to surrender the hard way, mopping up makes it so much easier. But if you invoke no quarter, you aren't mopping up. Wow. So you got to so be really careful. Multiple check marks, like example number two, it just doesn't matter how many check marks there are, right? No, it means all three of those are in effect. Correct. But, oh, wait. Yeah, like example two, there's three things happening at together. once. Together, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to go through all 12 and bore people to death, but you no. find, you find uh -oh. your situation, you look it up, you cross-reference it with whether no quarters in effect or not and who you're adjacent to, and this tells you what you can or cannot do. Or must do, yeah. Or must do, as the yeah. case may be. But Yeah, but I could have used this the other day. Dave and I were like, had one of these odd routing things, and we're like, oh, crap, we got to go look this up. And even looking... <laughs> At that routing, a comprehensive route example in the annual, wherever, that, that's a lot of reading to find yeah. which guy is well, it. This is, well, again, this is why I make these tables, Dave. You know, yep. you know me, and you, we've talked about this before. I made these tables on purpose to try to save time. I'm not trying to cost people time. Yeah. I, I've been that guy looking down the rules and trying to find the section that I know I read before six years ago in the <laughs> comprehensive route example that's four pages long or however long that thing is. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a great thing. It's a very comprehensive document. It's wonderful. But it, is. It, it doesn't answer your question quickly. Yes, you should read that just to learn a little. But when you need the answer quickly, you need these charts. Yeah. Yeah, and my charts probably don't cover every single thing on the planet. I'm sure probably people could say, hey, hey, what about, you know, a Japanese Gurkha committing Harikari and whatever <laughs> in Korea? Well, you know, I guess I didn't cover that one. But yeah. This covers, you know, 95%, yeah. I would say, of the things you run into in an average scenario. And again, that's why I made, I, made, I made these for me, you know, really. I mean, I'm sharing them with everyone who cares about this kind of thing, fellow ASL players, but, you know, I made them for me. I use them. Well, anyway, there's one more thing I want to share. So these are two tables that I made that I think are helpful for, again, 90-some percent of the average situations that arise with routing and capturing prisoners and no quarter and what have you. I think this does cover the lion's share, but there is a even better article that's even more thorough that I think you guys mentioned in one of your podcasts recently when you interviewed Jim Bishop. Yeah. And I'm sharing that on the screen right now. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It's 38 pages long or 37 pages long, but this is an excellent, excellent comprehensive article that really drills into even more esoteric uh, situations and uh, more so than my basic tables do. This is a, but you know, it's 37 pages long on, on the topic, but they really get into uh, even more examples and even more tidbits of little nuances. And, you know, like they even talk about how you can sometimes capture things that normally can't be captured. Like, you know, normally Japanese, 
you know, don't surrender via the route phase method. You know, that's one of the exceptions on my table that I think we all know that have used the Japanese in our scenarios. Well, you can capture a Japanese unit. You know, you got to add that plus one penalty for trying to capture. So like if you have a scenario where it's based on victory points and prisoners count double, double. it might be worth trying to capture a Japanese unit. And there are, you know, situations when you can and he talks about that in his article here, and um, how the Japanese, you know, have that special rule where they got they perhaps could try to commit Harry Carey suicide, I guess, before they get captured. And he and he shows an example of how that is possible and feasible. There are conditions that allow that. And so again, unless you have a scenario that's based on victory points, you know, you probably wouldn't want to, wouldn't bother trying. But if you do have that, it, it's so because again, you know, usually no quarters in the fact that you couldn't. Get prisoners in the normal way plus the japanese don't surrender that way anyway but you could try to capture them so he talks about that another interesting thing i'm going to scroll down I, I highlighted a couple things that i thought were interesting let me find it just give me a second please mm -hmm. you can see he's got really good examples and color-coded examples and yeah yeah it's very comprehensive he does a good job, but let me show you like one thing I thought was pretty cool. Where is it? I thought I highlighted it. And remember the route reports motto. Oh yeah, here's an interesting one. Yeah. Capture may occur even after the declaration of no quarter. So remember I said a minute ago that once you got no quarter, you're probably not going to get prisoners anymore because they will route away, disruptive guys will route away, or they'll suffer interdiction or low crawl. But you can still try to capture, even if no quarter is in effect. And you could even use hand-to-hand. -hand. Look at that. To increase your odds. So that, um, I guess I knew it, or maybe, I, mean, I don't remember. Maybe I knew it, maybe I didn't. But I thought it was unique enough that I bring it up here on your show, because it's, I hadn't thought about it, I guess. It's interesting. So would you just, uh, just for our listeners who don't know the difference, just describe what capture means exactly. Well, in close combat, you know, you got your odd, you got your odd. So let's say you got a, a 666 American squad against a 467 German squad. So the odds for the American are three to two. Yes. So on the black close combat numbers, I think that's a six. You would need a six. If you get exactly a six, you would cut the German squad in half, you know, casually reduce them. If you got five or less, you would completely eliminate it. But if you wanted to capture the German squad, You'd have to add one to your roll, which makes it a tiny bit harder. But then you have the, you know, you might get, you know, double points. If, if indeed you're playing a scenario where victory points matter and prisoners count double, if you capture the German squad, that's worth four points in, in casual the victory point total, which might, you know, in, improve your odds of winning the scenario if, if that's what is important. But, but then you got to add one. If you're against an inexperienced unit, like a green unit or a conscript, then it's minus one to capture. It actually helps your odds, mm. which is an interesting uh, thought. Then you might want to try to capture them because it actually improves your odds with a minus one roll. So that's what I mean. And then if you use the hand to hand, you know, that obviously improves your close combat numbers by about two in most cases. So then, as usual, you would replace the captured unit with a prisoner's counter. Yes, correct. Uh, I have a question for you. It's just popping into my head right now, if you don't mind it, I'm taking this right now. So if a, a prisoner unit can escape, is that right? 
Right. We haven't talked about that yet. Yes. Go ahead. Are you going to come to that? Uh, we can talk about it now. Sure. So okay. I, I touched on it a second ago, but I didn't go deep yeah. into it. So I talked about how if you have a guard that's not broken and then you advance a unit in, you know, and now you have a prisoner with a friendly squad with him that's guarded by the enemy squad. We talked about that a minute ago. Right. But if you have a situation where you have, once again, let's just say you have a 666 American squad guarding a full squad enemy unit, enemy, a full squad enemy unarmed, you know, prisoner. And if, like, say, the sniper hits that squad and breaks it, that happens a lot. Or he just gets shot at and he breaks, you know, and flips. Now the, the, the prisoner in the close combat phase can try to attack his broken guard. And he does that by passing a task check, which, you know, his morale is six generally. He would need a six to try. But another interesting thing while we're on that topic, let's say you had a, uh, again, you had a 666 broken American guard squad, broken, guarding a, say, a German uh, prisoner, you know, white prisoner counter. But let's say he also captured an eight negative one German leader that's also a prisoner. So that prisoner, that, that leader's eight negative one modifier can still help his fellow prisoners in this task check. Mm. So the leader himself would need an eight, the, the prisoner leader, and then he would his minus one you know, effect would help the uh, six morale prisoner. So then that would they would need a seven. And let's say they both pass. So now you have two firepower, the guard, or the pardon me, the prisoner and the uh, leader each have one close combat value in close combat. So now they're attacking at two to six odds, which is one to four, I guess, on the on the close combat table. But you're attacking a broken unit. So you get minus two, if you remember that from the table, you get minus two on the attack for attacking a broken unit, and you get minus one for the leader. So I think the one to four, what, what's the one to four black number? Is it, is like it four? Here. I think it's four. I could be wrong. I don't have the table with me. Let's just say it's four. I could be off by one. But then you got minus three on the modifier. So you need a seven for something. Else. And the broken guy can't attack back because he's broken. So you want to be really careful. Guarding is great, but you want to make sure that that guard doesn't break because he's in serious trouble if he breaks. His prisoners are eventually going to probably get him because, you know, so the guard can't attack back. So they're bound to pass their task check eventually. So when the if the prisoners succeed at that, uh, the uh, the guard unit is eliminated. Yeah, well, let's just say they roll really low. So the entire squad, American squad in this example, is eliminated. Yeah. Then the full squad prisoner rearms itself because the unit size of the guard was equal to the unit size of the, of the prisoner in this case. Okay. So they would rearm themselves completely as conscripts. You'd have a conscript German squad. Okay. And then That's the eight nice. and then the eight negative one leader just comes back on the board as an eight negative one leader, just like he was before. Okay. So you have to keep track a little, at least of the leaders. You need to know what leader was there. Mm-hmm. So right. you either, yeah, you either got to make a note of it, or like they have, there is a third party that has eight negative one leader prisoner counters, prisoner. stuff oh. like that. Okay. Yes. But the squad itself is going to come back as a as a conscript. Yeah, but here's the crazy example, though, Jeff. This is where he gets into. This is where Jim Bishop and his article gets into the crazy stuff. Let's say again, you got the same example, but let's say you rolled exactly equal to 
um, what you needed to eliminate the American guard right on the dot. So that's casualty reduction. So that means the 666 full squad American broken guard now becomes a half squad broken, but still there and still guarding. Right. And half of your full squad prisoner becomes a half squad conscript. Oh, yeah. And the other half is still guarded by the broken half squad and is still unarmed. Okay, so it's automatically deployed. Here's the question. Can the prisoners try to capture the guards? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, I guess they could. I, I, I don't know. I don't. That, that's a good question. I think so. I don't remember reading anything in here that said they can't. Wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. Normal they're, rules. They're unarmed. I don't know. I, I'm going to say I think so, but I don't know for sure. Okay. We'll look that into would it. Be a, now, that would be a flip, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, that would be great. That would be fun. That's a really interesting question. Let me, let me send one more little highlighted thing that Jim did here that I thought was cool. It happens in the movies all the time. <laughs> yeah, here's where I mentioned a minute ago where you have a step-reduced uh, Japanese MMC. They can be captured in close combat. I guess a, an unsep- if they're not step-reduced, you cannot try this, apparently. And then it talks about Harikari here, or Harakari. I can't pronounce that. Harakiri. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, apparently, you know, we have that. The Japanese has the option to you know, try to avoid that capture attempt if we be successful by doing that. So he gives an example of that. Now, that's a very rare, I mean, I've never, I don't think I've ever experienced that, but maybe I didn't even know that I could do it. So maybe that's why I never, yeah, never used that rule. So anyway, he really gets into it even much, much more deeply. And it's a great article, very thorough. And uh, I just want to bring that to people's attention that really want to study the, the topic even more so than I have. So we'll I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, we'll be sure to put a link into uh, to Jim's article. Yeah, it's really it's really quite good. So that's really all I know. I hope I maybe taught you one or two things, but uh, there's there's a lot to know about this topic. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that was that was really good. Oh, here's another one. I have it here on the screen still. Once a melee forms, any prisoner can attack its guard, even if unbroken, even without passing that NTC, the task check. Yeah. So again, like in the example I gave, well, both of the examples I gave, once you've passed that normal pass check on your broken guard, and let's just say you failed, you rolled high, you didn't eliminate your guard, but you tried. Well, now there's a melee. So you don't have to keep passing that normal task check in the future. You're in a melee now, your prisoner can act, and your attack can come first, because prisoners attack first. Right. Of course, the guard can't attack anyway, because he's broken. But if the guard player brings in a good order unit to help, you know, beef things up there, the prisoner still gets to attack first, you know, because of the sequential situation. Um, anyway, so he's yeah, just reminding us of that. Yeah, just that next part there, and I, I just can't picture it in my head at the moment. It says that um, prisoners may opt to withdraw from melee, and a successful withdrawal leaves an escaped unarmed unit. What does that look like? Well, that's still a white counter. Yeah, it's a prisoner. Now you, but now you control it, Jeff. I mean, if you're the one who escaped, okay. who is, so like I don't, I'm not controlling that unit anymore. He's not my prisoner. If, if you're my opponent, you've escaped. So that's now your unit. They're unarmed. They're basically prisoners, you know, running around unarmed, getting away. Okay, and the only way they can rearm, scrounging well, a vehicle. Yeah, there's two ways, right? That's one of them. That's the more likely one, Dave. Scrounging the vehicle. If you find a busted up 
rec. You, I think it's, I can't remember the numbers, but I think it's like a 50-50 chance okay. to uh, roll a one through three or something with a single die and you can, you know, rearm up to some, something or other. So uh, they rearm, it wouldn't be that they capture a weapon like a machine gun or... Well, well, well you can capture a light, you can use a light machine tank. gun or a support weapon and use it, okay. but you're still an unarmed unit in that case. Okay. I mean, oh. you have firepower, you have a light machine gun firepower to use, right. if that's what you've captured. But to actually become a conscript squad or half squad, you need to scrounge the vehicle, or you got to roll a snake eyes, like just in like some open ground hex or something. You know, yeah, it's like weapons, a low something. chance to go find weapons laying around the battlefield. Right. So you're better off trying to find a wreck because I think the odds of rolling snake eyes are you know pretty high, hard to get. But you can get a weapon, and 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 that and that's a good point though, Jeff, because if you don't have a weapon. And you haven't scrounged anything, then you don't have a range. You know your range is zero. So right. then you can't like cut off the route paths of other guys. You, you know other guys, your enemies can move right into your hex and recapture you again. You have no way of stopping them. So if you want to be armed, you need to you know get a weapon or scrounge or do something. Yeah, but if one of the victory conditions is to exit, to exit the board or whatever, that would still count for an unarmed unit, unless there's an SSR that specifically says. Otherwise, yeah. Well, unarmed is not necessarily not good order. So, yeah, I mean, right. so like it's still a good order unit. You're in control of it. Yeah. So I guess yeah, if you could get it off the board, if you know victory conditions require that. So uh, anyway, so yeah, that's a good, uh, hopefully, a good overview. Yeah, very good. You could very unshare good. the screen. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, that's going to be about a show there. This is just getting close to an hour. Wow, that went by fast for me. I know it does. <laughs> now it's fascinating. So yeah, great topic. Really uh, amazing. And good job, Rich. Thanks. Well, yeah, well, thank you. I uh, appreciate didn't know. I don't consider myself an expert on this topic, but I did refresh my memory on my rules tables and I double checked Jim's. Uh, well, I read Jim's. Uh, 37 pages it was you know he did a really thorough job if you really want to get into it his is, is you know extremely thorough i started reading it but i got stuck on the like the second part where it talked about interdiction and i read through that and it didn't really mention prisoners as far as interdiction but i'll, I'll have to go through it again or i'll talk to you off the you know air. one question i have that maybe i should just send a note to jim uh something to include in his you know because he, he did talk about in his article to send him comments and suggestions of how to you know maybe spruce it up a little bit and it's you know it's very very good as it stands but like i'd like to know again let's say i've got a prisoner that escapes so it's my guy he's unarmed he's good order but unarmed can i capture a building with him could he take possession of a victory condition location building oh. wow. i don't know i don't know yeah. i yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm gonna like send that to Jim and see if he, uh, you know, maybe maybe it's answered in the article. And I didn't see it, but I don't remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. It, I mean, most of the time you see whether a unit is good order or not, but it never says armed or not. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting question. So, and I bet there are more questions out there. I'm sure people will be writing in and saying, yes, and I have a question too. 
well, yeah, or maybe I didn't do things exactly right in my explanations, and I'm sure we'll hear about that. But always add comments. Comment. Everyone, listeners should add comments on the posts about corrections. Yeah, if you have questions or corrections. I can't believe anybody would correct Rich Spilkey. Oh, it happens. Believe me, just ask my wife. The noise. Well, that was very good. Yeah, appreciate that. So are we going to wrap up the show, Dave? Is that it for a show? I think so. We're going to remind everybody once again to go to boundingfire.com. Go to Bounding Fire Productions. Look at all their ASL stuff. You probably don't have it all. Stop delaying. Just order. You'll have hours and hours of entertainment. And if, you know, if your wife asks you to explain it, just refer her to us. We'd be glad to talk to her. <laughs> Tell her it's better than gambling. So, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you hope that didn't explode your head too much. Dave and I are going to put our propeller hats back on and go to our debriefing after this show. <laughs> More about prisoners. And, Rich, wish you were here so we could uh, have a glass with you. Yes. Well, I need, a, I need one of those hats. Yeah, I think we have one more. So uh, you're welcome to have one. So thanks, everybody. And uh, we'll uh, see you next time on the two half squads. And remember to, of course, low roll. Roll, low, low roll. Low roll and low. My phone is on silence and it keeps making noise. And my son is trying to buy a car. And you all know how hard that is to do right now. Buying a used car. And this is the fourth. Let me just tell you, it's a little banter. I got one minute left. So he took a car out and we took it to the dealer and he said. You took it to the car shop guy? Yeah. Uh, sorry. And he said it's unsafe to drive. So we, hmm. so we returned that one. And then Laura took him out this week and to a dealer. And they're like, oh, yeah, we check our cars. You know, you don't have to take it to your de- um, repair guy. And as they're driving it with the dealer in the back seat, the trans goes out. Holy cow. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. It's been crazy. So just now he found a car, just posted on Facebook Marketplace, and Laura and him took it for a test drive tonight. So he's texting me like, we got to do this tomorrow. We got to do this tomorrow. And so anyway. Well, I hope that works out. And if anybody or if anybody has an extra car that they'd like yeah. to donate... Well, or even so. <laughs> to Aaron Kleinschmidt, just let us know. All right. So anyway. Yeah. All so right. Remember to roll low. Rally well. But not, but not when you're playing us. us. Including me. Good night, everybody. Thanks, guys. Appreciate uh, the opportunity. All right. Thanks. Always a pleasure, Rich. Always. <laughs>